Thanks for listening to the Highlands podcast. At Highlands, we believe in leading you into a growing relationship with Jesus and equipping you to have a life full of purpose as you build your faith. We can't wait for you to join us next weekend. But for now, enjoy this message from our communicators. Hey, good morning, everyone. How are you doing? Fantastic. Uh, isn't it a great, encouraging story this morning? And um, they're friends of mine for 12 years, and so to see, like, I could tell you a lot, lot more uh, of dirt, uh, but also of like God's goodness and their faithfulness and, and that journey, really. It's, uh, I think it was like an hour worth of filming to try to get the story of what God's done in their life down to a couple of minutes, which is just fantastic. It's encouraging, and uh, honestly, as friends, they keep challenging me why I don't have enough faith. And I went, hang on, that's not how this is supposed to work. Um, but it's good. That's fantastic. Look, uh, you might have received one already. Uh, if not, you can find these in the info point on the way out or people will hand out. But this is uh, a little expansion offering booklet uh, for our party next week, the big celebration and the moment that uh, many of us are going to, to decide to sow in beyond what, what our regular kind of giving is into the things that God wants to do throughout this place. And so you'll find at the back of the book, this little tear out with things that you can uh, feel led to support or sow into to see expand from things like Red Frogs or what we're doing out at Highfields with replicating this campus here and uh, building another church uh, permanent facility with kindy and early learning and eventually college and and everything that comes with that is pretty exciting. Uh, To something that's been on our heart for a while that we really want to get going is... um, uh, some facility areas and special environments for children with special needs uh, and families for, in that area. We want to make sure that we're looking after those families the best that we can because we want the kids to hear about Jesus in their level, but also the families that are going through that, that there is a family and a community and support and, and prayer with them here as well. Um, and so there, there are a number of things, but I want you to be prayerful this week of hearing from God about uh, what it is, whether it's a number, a lot of people pray for God how much or for, for something that pulls on your heart going, that's something that I really believe in, I want to be a part of leaving that legacy. Uh, but also God challenged me to grow in my faith in this area as well. And so to be prayerful uh, about it, not uh, obligation, it's not a guilt trip or anything like that. This is the moment where the church steps up together collaboratively going, this is my church. I'm teaching my kids uh, this lesson in a different way of every time I drive in here, I tell them that their dad paid for everything is because I was a part of it. <laughs> See that wall? Your dad bought it. Uh, <laughs> they're like, wow, dad's loaded. That's why they keep asking me for things, I think. But the everything is the idea is going, no, no, I'm a part of it. What, like the, I'm going to drive them out to Highfields and say, see all this? Your dad was a part of this as well. This was a legacy that we were involved in. And so uh, as the church collaboratively together, uh, this is a great moment. But also halfway in there, there's another tear out. Uh, and it says, my prayer list for the year. Uh, and now these, these two aren't necessarily associated, but they're both steps of faith. So the reason we put this in at this kind of time and through this series is because we are starting to, going through this season of believing God is capable of more, that He is our provider, that He is the healer, that He is the one that provides all of our needs. Uh, and, and so these two, I, want to, I, I just want to help a couple of people to separate the significance of these two pages. Uh, this is not the grocery list, and this is the paycheck paying for it, Okay? That's not the idea. This isn't a give to get. It's not a, 
Uh, I've heard a couple people talk about the, um, like, I can't put things too big on that because I don't have much to give over here. Like, that is not how this works. These are separate things. These are having faith for different kinds of things. Uh, And this is a season of, yes, generosity, but more than that, it is a season of faith where we start to believe, hey, God, you're able to provide all of my needs and I can put you first and I know that I'll be okay. And while I'm believing, Lord, I also believe you can provide these things, that you can, I can see miracles in my life, that I can see you turn up in ways that I never expected you to turn up. And I love the story of Jaron and Hannah because as much as it is about like God blessing them and they, they were generous and God kept being generous to them, it is a story of this kind of faith, of going, God, we have dreams that we think that you've given us and we see needs that, that you've put on our heart and we believe you are the answer. And while we're believing for that, we're also going to sow into your kingdom and believe for other things as well. So I want to encourage you to be prayerful as you consider this for the next week, to seek God and how, how maybe he's leading you to step out in faith and things to put on your heart to pray for over the next coming years. I know one of the great things over the last 12 months for me on my list that I'm crossing off is there's a number of uh, young couples who have been believing for children uh, and haven't been able to have children and, and a couple here and uh, a few other friends as well. I know this year I can cross that off because this year they'll be holding their child in their arms. Uh, and I'm just excited about that. that I'm not, there wasn't no purchase behind that. That wasn't a give to get kind of thing. That was, God, I know you are capable of this. And I know a number of people had that. And I've got a heap of other things as well. That, but that's one of my favorite ones because I have a little child and I go, how good that people can experience it might not be as cute as mine, but like, it's pretty good. Like, it's good for them, yeah? Not everyone can have a little Ollie, but like, it's good for us to try, yeah? Now, as I said, this is a series on, on generosity, but, but I, I've always believed it's on faith as well. That I don't think that you can be generous towards God without having faith. I, I don't think you, anyone would be generous towards God's kingdom or the church without any kind of faith and stepping out, believing that he's capable of providing and doing more. I, anything, anything less than faith-filled generosity, I think, is just tipping God. Uh, that we should be people who give with faith and give with stretch and give with obedience and worship uh, to honour him and not dishonour him just by throwing him a tip to see if we can keep him happy. But it is something that we do with faith, that we press forward uh, in towards what God has for us. And sometimes pressing forward is uncomfortable. When God calls us out into something, it's not always rainbows and butterflies and, and everything feels good and tingles and gold dust. But sometimes it's calling us into something that, that will get the best out of us. And generosity and tithing, those kinds of things, is one of those things you see constantly throughout the scripture where God is calling his people towards him in that direction and they keep trusting and being faith-filled and faithful and press forward towards that as well, believing that who God is uh, through all things. And Philippians 3 is probably one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Uh, God keeps uh, reminding me of this anytime I'm having a pity party, anytime I'm filled with fear, anytime I'm filled with doubts, or I don't want to do something, or I'm uncomfortable, or whatever it might be, I just feel God uh, whispers this, well, sometimes not whispers, sometimes slaps me in the head, uh, with this kind of verse to remind me of what kind of person he's calling me to be. And that's more of a press on, press forward kind of guy. So verse 12 says, not that I've already obtained all of this, and Paul's saying about perfection and uh, righteousness. He said, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. 
In other words, he's saying, Jesus took hold of me for something and I'm pressing towards the reason he took hold of me. Now, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward, I would say upward, forward in Christ Jesus. Now, this press on, this press on that he's talking about, it's a word in the Greek that he's writing in here that literally means pursue. It's the same word earlier in the letter that he wrote to Philippi that he uses to describe how he pursued Christians before he was one, that he pursued Christians in order to kill them before he was one. It's the same press on. It was like there is a single goal. I am, I'm not kind of half-baked that. I'm not just floating through my journey. We're all on a journey. His is just killing people and stuff. I'm just floating into destiny. No, it was I was pursuing and pressing on with purpose. Uh, and that's how he described himself before. And now he's using the same word to go, in that same light, I am pressing on and pursuing with purpose the things that God, and why Jesus took hold of my life. I'm not just floating through my journey and seeing the things that Jesus might unravel. No, there is a reason that Jesus saved me, that he grabbed me, that I was created, that I was purposed and destined. And so I'm pressing forward and pursuing it with the same passion I used to press on towards my previous goal. And the great news is that Jesus never took hold of any single one of us with the purpose of leaving us there. They're going, great, now I can give you cuddles and pay rises and good car parks. Mm. That wasn't the reason to leave us the same, but it was for us to become and grow into someone else, to be a part of something far bigger than us, to leave legacies and start to change societies and start to see an impact, a godly impact here on earth as it is in heaven that he's called us and grabbed hold of our lives. Come on, if you're a Christian here, Jesus has taken hold of your life for a greater purpose. That is not just to go, oh, I'm happy where I am here now. Come on, there is far more for us to be, for us to take hold of and to bring for God into this world. That is good news, isn't it? Especially when you look around and going, seriously, is this it? Well, good news is no, there is a reason Jesus took hold of our life and we must be a part of pressing on towards it. A lot of change happens within us just by having God genuinely as Lord of our life and inside of us. But I find constantly that God is saying, okay, now it's time for you to take a step to take a step of faith. I'm not gonna push you through everything in life, Doug. I, I need you to grab hold and press forward with faith into some things to obtain why I saved you. For us at the moment, generosity, man, that's a big one that people mm, tense up and Christians go, well, back off of here for a second. But that is one of those things of faith, as Sam said, that, that God has for us to go, come on, press forward in faith here and you will find that I am a provider. Press on forward here and you will find that I am the God of the miraculous, that I am the God that is far greater father than the ones that you love down on earth. This is who I am. You need to press forward and it's gonna refine something within you. We need to be press on kind of people if we wanna be a church that lives by faith. If we want to, i reminder that it is impossible to please God without faith. A faith without actions is, well, it's not faith at all, it's dead. 
And we need to be people, these press-on kind of people, a press-on kind of church. Hey, a little while ago, I won't name shame because some of you know, but I did a workout with a friend. Uh, we did this. It was a brutal one. It was two parts. It was, the first part was just, it was torturous, and the second part was harder. Uh, and, and so it was just bad news. The friend had already done a heap of stuff, and so we were, we were starting. I was starting relatively fresh, and we get to this halfway mark as a natural off-ramp, uh, and he goes, Doug, I'm out. I'm done. And I was like, fair enough. Well, I'm going to keep going because it's written up on the board, and thou shalt not mock the whiteboard. And so I kept going. But from that point on, what I found was not that everything was harder and heavier and I was unfitter. Uh, that wasn't the thing that I struggled with from that moment. The thing I struggled with was all in my head of going, there is an option to stop now. As I was probably pride that kept me going up until that point. But the moment pride was no longer an issue going, they've stopped, maybe I could as well. Or I'd already done one or two more things than I could still technically have won here. But it was just this battle of going, no, it is too hard for me. I'm not comfortable. I, I, I don't want to. But I had this, I just went, no, well, I'm just going to finish. I'm going to press on. I'm going to keep moving forward. And later on, I was, I was recounting it in my head going, how could I have done that better? Or maybe I should have stopped. I'm hurting. I'm sore. I'm broken. Everything is going wrong. Um, I, and I was kind of recounting that, and then I moved into time where I was just going, I was chatting to God, and he kind of brought the two together and, and was saying, Doug, the same thing that you kind of ran into the other day when you were training uh, is the same thing I think that you run into constantly when it comes to your faith, is that you find these natural off-ramps rather than pressing forward into something that is going to be beneficial for you. I was like, well, that is rough. <laughs> you know, sometimes you feel that you don't hear God. And that was one of those moments. <laughs> but I think all of us have these kinds of times as well where in our faith, where we feel that God might be asking us, come on, it's push forward time, it's press on time, that it's uncomfortable and this might be hard and the situation you find yourself in might not be perfectly aligned with what I'm asking you to do right now. But I'm asking you to press on. And instead of doing what Paul has said that he's chosen to do, seeking the things of God in his life, we do the opposite quite often. Rather than forgetting what is behind us, we start looking back and going, oh, geez, that's all right. Like in the middle of my workout, I remembered what not feeling this bad was like <laughs> and going, I could go back to that right now. Now, I do this in, in my faith constantly, especially when it comes to this time of the year around generosity. Uh, every time, nearly with Beck and myself when we get there, is we get uncomfortable and think, hang on, like, my kids eventually want to go to school and I need to pay for that somehow. Like, Ollie is free to feed now, but from what I see in the other two boys, he will soon be eating the house down. And surely God doesn't want my kids to starve. And we start playing these mind games and I start seeing these off-ramps and these moments where I go, no, no, I'll look around and just find a reason to stay still. I know that Jesus took hold of my life for a reason and I feel him calling me forward or heavenward into what he's got for me to refine me and to, to grow who I am and grow my faith. But instead of forgetting what is behind and all around, I actually start looking around for reasons to stay here. God, if you can somehow grow me in another way. Like that car park deal is a pretty good one. I like my annual pay rise. and Just keep me here and 
I don't want to press on. I want to stay and still reap the benefits of someone who lives by faith. I don't think we should be those kind of people. I think we need to be a church of press on, of press on kind of people in all sorts of areas, that we press on in faith when we see people who are sick and are in pain, that we would be press on people willing to step out in faith and pray for them. That we'd be people of faith who believe for think that God is able to do something in our life and that sin that we've been struggling with, that, that we'd be able to lay it to God and say, Jesus, help me with this area, that attitude, this holiness, this purity kind of stuff that I am struggling with, Lord. Can we please I want to press forward to get rid of this, not settle with it. And so today I want to look at a man named Caleb in the Bible. Caleb and Joshua are kind of these buddy duos, but Caleb takes center stage in this story. <coughs> and he's a press-on kind of guy. He's someone that is an inspiration to us as, as the church. And I think in these particular stories, he is someone who we should aspire to be like during this season and any time that faith has to be a part of our decisions. The background behind Caleb is he was a, a, a man that was born into slavery, born in Egypt uh, when the Israelites were slaves there and grew up under this kind of oppression until God used a man named Moses to lead them all out of Egypt uh, and towards the promised land. Now, Caleb grew as this kind of young adult, this young man at the time, but he kind of went through this stage of life, seeing God do wonders. You think about it, that he saw, like he was a part of the people who walked through a sea that was split, and he walked through on dry ground, not muddy ground, dry ground. Like this was him. He, he turned around and saw an Egyptian army swallowed up by that same bit of water, just as God said that he would do. He was fed by miraculous heavenly bread called manna every single day. You go, what is manna? No idea, it's manna, it's from heaven. Well, he's done that till he got sick of that and he was a part of the whinging people that God eventually brought an ocean worth of quail and dropped it at their campsite. Did that regularly. Like, this is, like he's seeing the providence of God constantly. But he's being led by a pillar of fire in the sky at night and then the pillar of smoke during the day as their GPS coordinates. Moses hits a rock and water comes out. Like he's a guy that's gone through his whole adult life seeing that God does some pretty cool things. And if God says that you're gonna get water from the rock, well, guess where you're getting water from? It's coming from the rock. If God says he's gonna dump a whole heap of birds that don't live within the region at your feet so you can have barbecue chicken, guess what's coming for, chi for dinner tonight? <laughs> chicken. Like, it, like this is just his experience, but this was also the experience of everyone else there to the point where they get to the land that God is leading them to called Canaan. They get to the, the, the land of Canaan uh, and Moses, who's still leading the place, goes, all right, well, I, I wanna check out what God has brought us to. It was still uh, occupied. It wasn't vacant. The Canaanites and the Hezekites and all, all kinds of Amalekites, all these kinds of people there that were living uh, just an awfully evil kind of life, a horrible society. Uh, and they were still living there at the time. And God said, hey, this is your land. It's time to take it back and boot them out. And so Moses says, okay, well, I want to suss out the enemy. I want to see if it really is as good as God has told us that it is going to be. Like if we do what God says, is it actually going to be worth it? Uh, and also how big, hairy and scary are the people there? 
Uh, and so he sends 12 spies in. Uh, Caleb and Joshua were two of them, and he sent 10 others in as well. And he says, come back and give us a report uh, and bring some fruit back as well. So there's a grocery list assigned uh, to this also. But let's read, pick it up. Numbers 13 and 27 says, they gave Moses this account when they came back. It says, we went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is your fruit, sir. Uh, but the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. And even when we saw, the, we saw descendants of Anak there, the Amalekites, they live in the Negev, and the Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites, all these big, scary people live in the hill country. And the Canaanites, the main ones, live near the sea and along the Jordan, where we'll have to cross over. See, with every reason to press forward, they began to minimize God and maximize the problem. They did identify this is definitely as good as God said it's going to be. But it might be hard and it's a bit scary and I don't know if we have the right resource or we're the right people or we have the right capability, uh, Moses, to do what God has asked us to do. And they found reasons out. They, they minimized the word of God and maximized the problems that they saw around them. In verse 30, this, I love Caleb for this reason. He says, Then Caleb just silenced the people before Moses. And he said this, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. See, Caleb had a different mentality, a different understanding of what God can do. All 12 of them went in and saw the exact same thing, and it was Caleb. Later we find Joshua as, as well. But Caleb stood up here and said, I saw all the big ugly men as well. But what I also know is that God has said we can do this. They were all looking at the problem and maximizing the inconvenience, the discomfort, the, the, the likelihood that they are not sufficient to do what God has asked them to do. I can't step out in faith here. I can't follow God in this way. That's too hard. What about this? What about that? That they saw the same thing and Caleb was like, no, if God has said it, we can do it. That we can certainly take this city. We can certainly take a step forward. I feel this voice constantly in my head when I'm starting to believe for things for my family. I step out and pray for people. Or I, in this season, I feel God's speaking to us about what us as a family, uh, uh, what He wants us to give to stretch and refine us. And I get this voice immediately after going, how on earth are you going to do that? That you don't even, you don't have that much faith. Seriously, do you think that you can pray and see that person healed? Do you, do they know? You know your attitudes, Doug. Seriously, a person with an attitude like that, God's going to be happy with? And it follows immediately afterwards. That I can be in the same situation and see something completely different that I can magnify my problem and minimize my God. But Caleb did it the other way around. He just magnified God. And this is the first thing that I want us to grab hold of as a church out of the story of Caleb is we need to, to be press on kind of people. We need to, number one, be able to silence the enemy, to silence the opposition. Caleb had to shut the other 10 spies up so he could start speaking some faith again. They need to silence the opposition for us to move forward. See, all of us, we have way too many lies in our mind already that we believe that in, in a lot of areas we're already living deceived, aren't we? 
And years ago, I got this really profound thing. You'll love it. You'll get a tattoo on this for sure. But the thing about deception is it's rather deceiving. Have you noticed that? You don't go, I'm currently living a lie and loving it. No, when you were deceived, you were 100% deceived. You don't know. We take hold of so many things that aren't real and aren't true and hold on to it as if it is true. This is what the 10 spies did. Ultimately, the whole nation of Israel grabbed hold of, of the untruth that 10 spies reported. And it cost them another 40 years in the wilderness because they were, they were there grabbing hold of a, a handful of people's fears and doubts who magnified a problem and minimized their God. They, didn't, they weren't willing to silence the doubt, silence the fear, the, the willingness to be uncomfortable and rely on God. They weren't willing to do that, so they spent another 40 years walking around when they could have grabbed hold of, well, God is my provider. You know what? I probably can't win this battle without God, but thank goodness I'm not without God. This is how I th- feel every, every August when this season runs around of going, I, I can't give that God and, and keep going the way that I feel you've called me to do without you. And I just feel that little, well, lucky I'm with you. Okay, oh, yes, you are, but it's still uncomfortable. I'd rather have no faith sometimes. It would be way more comfortable. I'd rather, like these guys, I'd rather wander around the wilderness and think that maybe God's supernatural GPS was off. I know the pillar of smoke and fire led us here, but I, just, I think he got it wrong. Surely there's a smaller group of people for us to take. But for us to move into what God has for us, it will require us to silence the opposition to God's word. Whatever it is that he's speaking to us, whatever he's calling us towards, we need to silence it to be press on kind of people. These surrounded by doubters, Caleb and Joshua were still willing to go. And they're still willing to speak up, still willing to, like, they believed to the, the point where they would silence the whole nation and go, hang on, no, 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 don't you remember who our God is? As I said, listening to the doubts and listening to the fear led to more time in the wilderness. And spiritually, I've spent enough time distant from God and out of His will, and maybe plenty of you have as well, but I don't want any more. If I could be obedient, if I could listen to God and just back Him in to step into what He has for us. So I believe we should be a a church like Caleb's and Joshua's who will magnify God and maybe not even minimize our problems, but just stack them up appropriately. See, I don't think Caleb ever minimized the issue that he saw, the opposition. He didn't say they are nothing, they were just little peasants, they're nothing, we can definitely do it. He just said, I know who our God is, we can definitely do it. We shouldn't trivialize the things that are going through our life because for many of us, there are genuinely serious things going on. But we need to put it in the correct perspective of going, there is genuinely a much greater God on my side as well. Anyway, 40 years kind of goes past with Caleb and the nation of Israel and a whole generation is essentially lost. There's only a couple left. Joshua uh, takes charge over Moses because Moses, again, was... For a lot of his life, a very faithful person and had a couple of moments where he just went in a different direction. So God kind of waited for an unbelieving generation to die out for a a new faith-filled generation to rise up. Led by Joshua and Caleb was his kind of side hustle, like little little, um, sidekick here as well. (coughs) 
and they walk into the same land of the same people, the same problems they had before, but they had an attitude of, we can do this. And they did. They crossed over the Jordan, another miracle. They split another sea there. It's pretty cool. Split this other ocean. They walk through and they take the land of Canaan and they start uh, setting up this new promised land, this kingdom of Israel, their own nation. And it wasn't done yet. There was still a lot of, uh, a lot of land to, to come back under their rule. Uh, but this was the conversation that Caleb started having with Joshua. Uh, and I, uh, there's another key here that I think we need to grab hold of to be press on kind of people and for us to be people of faith and to see, see God come through for us when we are generous, when we believe for miracles, when we want to be led by the Holy Spirit. There's a key in this, and you'll pick it up because it's repeated. Joshua 14, verse 7, it says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh uh, to explore the land, and I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up and, uh, with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. You might have been there before. You felt that there was something God was leading you to and you just <gasps> froze or melts in fear. I've been there heaps. I, however, this is Caleb, followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. So on that day, the Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and, on, and that of your children forever because... You will be rewarded because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, He has kept me alive for 45 years since the time He said this to Moses, while Israel moved around the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out, and I'm as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me the hill country that the Lord promised to me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I'll drive them out just as he said. This is Caleb, he's, he's 85 years old now. He's like, bring it on, God is still with me. That it, you would consider he's got even less going for him now. Less likelihood that he can take the land God promised and yet he still goes, it's not all about me, I have God with me. I did when I was younger and I do still now and he still said, this is the land that we're gonna move into. So I still believe him. I love this attitude. Verse 13 says, then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron belonged to Caleb, the Kezite, uh, ever since because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, how? Wholeheartedly. He followed wholeheartedly. And that regular theme is something that if we want to see an expansion in our life, an expansion of the church through this region in Australia, this, uh, of just seeing the kingdom of heaven come more on this earth and for us to get a glimpse and a taste of it more, we're going to have to be people who follow wholeheartedly. Not half-heartedly, not just dabble in it, not just throw him a tip and give him a Sunday here and there. and Be people who follow wholeheartedly. Caleb did it even when the whole nation chickened out and ran the other way. He stood firm and went, God, what are they doing? I'm backing you in. It might take another 40 years and when I get there at 85, 
She's still on because I'm following wholehearted. I'm not gonna give up because of the inconvenience or the fear factor or the voices or what everyone else has said. I'm not giving up because they are doubting. I'm not giving up because it looks unlikely to succeed. I am going and pressing forward because I know if you've called me to it, well, man, it's possible. It's going to happen. See, the word wholeheartedly here in Hebrew is malah. And malah means full or to the fullest. Now, a good picture for you to grab hold of what this wholehearted kind of life is, is, you know, you go shopping and you buy heaps of stuff, yeah? You've got lots of grocery bags in the boot uh, and you want to impress your spouse on how many you can bring back or show your kids that you're the Hulk. This is who I am. And so you load up as many grocery bags as you possibly can on your hand and there's a couple left and so you try to get some more on, but you can't, you can't pick it up, you're not that strong, yeah? You can't get there or you're just like, my, I'm so full, it's stacked up to my arms, I've got bags walking in like past the car like this, I'm full, that if someone were to try to give me something, there's no room for it, I can't grab hold of it, I'm done. This is the moment where I take Ollie and threaten to throw him at Beck and go catch and no, I can't, like, she's, so, she's full, she's chockers. This is kind of the sentiment that, that Caleb is talking about here of how he was following God is I, I've grabbed hold of God in so much that when some, something comes in opposition or something else is thrown at me, I've got no room to grab hold of that. That I, I can't take hold of any doubt because I've got so much of God right now that I'm, I'm trusting Him so much, I'm so full. This is Malah, I'm to the fullest with the Word of God. And see, church, if we wanna be press-on kind of people, we are going to need to become press-in kind of people as well to get more and so much more of God, to be full of the things that He says. Man, it, like I, I, you get a little word from, from God personally, and if you are not sure and confident that that is Him and who His nature is and His character and His ability, you will fill in the blanks from whatever is available. But if we become people who are full and we see God, we can be like Caleb going, oh, awesome, if you are in it, let's roll. I'm Allah, I'm full of faith. I'm full of knowing this is where we're going. See, for me personally, this is the thing God seems to be nailing me on. In the last month or so, if I, when I talk to him, he tables this issue with me. Going, Doug, I want to identify the areas you are leaking, that the couple of bags have slipped off the arm and that you're starting to pick up a couple of things and they are getting traction where they shouldn't be. You are not Malar, you're not full, wholehearted in following me. You are mostly there, but you have picked up a couple of additional things and you need to put them down. And I'd rather not most of the time. I go, oh, really? Just, uh. I keep saying, come on, let's press on, press in. Come on, follow wholehearted. That Caleb possessed the land that he was promised because he followed. And I think as a church to see the next season, the next 40 whatever years, the next 100 years of this church and this legacy that we will leave together will be determined with how wholehearted we are. Whether we are willing to silence the enemy, identify lies that we're believing and silence opposition to God's Word and to be willing to press into who He is, into, into the Word of God, be people of prayer, be people of worship. I, I personally, I, I'm not convinced that four songs on a Sunday is sufficient 
in God's eyes for us to be in His presence. The one-minute prayer we get led on on a Sunday, I don't think that is sufficient to see breakthrough in, in our life constantly. I think He wants us to be Malah, these wholehearted people who can identify when we're believing things that are wrong about ourselves, about who God is, about the world, about what He's capable of, what He's leading us to, of going, no, no, no that, you're opposing what God has called me to. A life of holiness, a life in this direction of whatever it might be. I want to be full of God, full of faith, full of belief that if God has said it, well, it's possible and it's coming. I'm going to press forward. See, the only way into God's future for each of us is through God. And I don't know why we keep trying to do it without Him, but it needs to be inclusive of and completely encompassing of God. For us as a church, if you are passionate about seeing what God has for your life reach more people, us as the church are going to have to be people who, who are progressively moving towards a wholeheartedness following of Jesus. That I don't think He's looking for a church who is half done, half baked, half following. But He's looking for a church to go, come on, there, there is a group of wholehearted people that I'm going to pour out my blessing, my spirit upon them. That I'm going to pour out favour upon them that when they move forward, the opposition's going to have to get out of the way because I am with them. As, as people, as families and as a church, I think, come on, let's be wholehearted people like Caleb. And I don't know what it is that you feel God's calling you to individually or as a family or your part in the church in a corporate setting, but I know for us to take hold of what God has for us in each of those areas, it will require us to learn how to silence anything that opposes the Word of God in our life and for us to grab hold of Him in, with both hands as much as we can and be willing like Caleb to say, we can certainly do it if God is for us. Come on, church, let me pray for you. Father, I thank you. Lord, that we're not here by ourselves just trying to make it up and wing it. Lord, that you didn't take hold of my life or any of our lives for the purpose of leaving us where you found us. Lord, that we haven't peaked, no matter if, we've, if we're struggling or maybe life is just absolutely going gangbusters, everything is great. I know that with you taking hold of us, that there is always greater up ahead. There is more ahead of us to become, to take hold of, to work through us, Lord. We need you, Jesus. So I just pray for this church, for, for everyone here, for everyone a part of our community, Lord, that we would be press on people, that when there is opposition, that we wouldn't listen to it, that we wouldn't trivialize it, but we would magnify God over it, that we would see you for who you truly are in scale to the things that we are truly facing. Lord, that you are greater, you are stronger, you are better. And that we keep our eyes fixed on that of going, come on, if you have called us to this and called us through this, that we most certainly can succeed at it. Lord, for us as a church, I pray you bless every move. Lord, that you lead us. Lord, that we're starting at Highfields, but wherever you lead us as a church to reach more people, Lord, that we are malar, that we are full of your word, confidence and faith. Lord, that we can't grab hold of any, any mocking, of any, any doubts, of any fear, that we're just are confident that grabbing hold of the word of God and we're running with it. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for who you are, Lord. Now, as every eye is closed and head is bowed, maybe you've never asked God into your life. 
you don't know him personally, you might have heard plenty about him, but you, if you're honest, you don't know him yourself. You don't have a personal relationship, maybe your parents or maybe your upbringing or maybe church is just an experience that you, you have, but there is a personal relationship that you can have with him. And I want to take this moment to invite you into having that personal connection with God between you and him. Maybe you've walked away. This is the moment to come back, to, to walk, just to let go of those other things and grab hold of God as he's grabbing hold of your life as well, to lead you into the reason you were created. So if that's you this morning, you would like to begin or keep going with your relationship with God, whatever that might look like, and maybe turn away. Maybe it's going to probably require turning away from a few things, letting go of some parts of life that hurt, that bitterness, some, of, some things that you just know. There's, this is going to hurt me in the future, and you need God to help you let go of that and move forward. I want to give you that opportunity now to ask God into your life. So if that's you, I want to pray for you. And so I'm going to ask, well, no one else is looking around. Would you just raise your hand in the air so I can see you? I want to pray for you. As an outward sign of an inward decision, this is why we do this, of raising hands, going, God, I want to know you. Awesome. God, I want to know you. Thank you so much. Fantastic. That's so good. Church, would we celebrate with these people this morning? Come on. This is the best decision that, that you'll ever make. Still the best decision I've ever made. And I just believe that your, your journey with God, your life from this moment on, man, if, if we can grab hold of what He has for us, that it, everything changes from here on out. Uh, and so I want to pray for you. Just show your prayer that you can pray at any time in your life. And us as a church, actually, we're going to pray for you together. So church, would you, would you believe for these people with me that this just changes everything as Jesus comes into their life? Father, we thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on that cross, rise again. Lord, that it's restored a connection with you. Lord, that everything has changed because of you, that we can leave our old life behind and become your son or your daughter. And that's something that can never be taken from us. We never earned it, Lord, and that we can never unearn these things as well, that it was a gift given by you. We are thankful for that. I pray that as we grow closer to you, Lord, and get to know you more, that you reveal more about who we are and who you are as well, that we can find the freedom that you have for us. Lord, discover the reason we were created so we can make the difference you put us here to make. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for joining. We hope you feel encouraged to take these words with you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose and make a difference. For more resources and to connect with us, find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and our website.